Two months ago, I saw a provocative movie on cable TV. It was called The Net with that girl from the bus. <laughs> I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of April 2023, and we are in the midst of our cyber techno future shock event month. Uh, now, it, it needs to be said, uh, the whole concept of this month seems to be totally fucking scuffed uh, because it, apparently I'm the only motherfucker on this planet who gives two shits about the subgenre of film that we're going to be talking about this month. But just to clue you in, dear listeners, uh, we're going to be talking about cyber thrillers, techno thrillers, if you will. Uh, this is a subgenre of fiction that was very, very popular in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s. Doesn't exactly seem to have survived beyond that point of time. Uh, but essentially what we're talking about is exactly what the name entails. Thrillers that involve tech. Um, so um, in case you couldn't tell based on the overall quality of the films that we've reviewed <laughs> up to this point in the month... Um, I don't think there are all that many good films uh, from this period of the techno thriller, uh, which brings us to maybe, maybe, just maybe, the worst film uh, that we'll be talking about this month. And that is, of course, uh, that movie with that girl from the bus. <laughs> um, Kyle, would you care to inform our listeners what film I am alluding to in case they aren't up on their Seinfeld? Yes, this week we uh, we did... The Net from 1995, starring one America's sweetheart, uh, Sandra Bullock, and absolutely nobody else that you've ever heard of, except for the senator from Silence of the Lambs plays her mom. Uh, I honest to God, so Trevor, this is a, a nearly a two-hour movie um, that you could whittle down to 30 minutes, I think, <laughs> easily. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I got as far as I could. I don't even know how this concludes. So there is one thing that will be a surprise to me. It's because you're going to have to tell me what the last 10 minutes of this movie is, because I, I, I went as hard as I could do this thing, but I just could not hit the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Yowzer is correct. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't like this movie when it first came out. Um, but <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> you'd seen this? Yes, you saw this. And you're like, <laughs> I thought you hadn't seen this one. <laughs> yes, oh I, I willingly subjected you, my dear friend, to the net. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the net fucking sucks. Yeah, oh. I, I, this movie got a lot of play on cable back in the day. Um, this came out in the magical year of 1995, which seems to be like the hotspot uh, for the tech thrillers of the 90s. Um, 
we may actually end up doing another one of those next week. But um, this movie got a lot of play on cable. I remember starting it quite a lot when I was young and finishing it. Maybe I may have only finished this movie uh, upon this most recent viewing, if I'm being honest, uh, because this is this is like a perfect candidate of one of those movies where like the first 20 minutes or so has just enough material that that like maybe you'll keep watching it. But beyond that, it it turns into a complete fucking slog. Like there is this is rare, folks. We've talked about a lot of bad movies on this fucking podcast, but th- there's just nothing there. There's, there's just no there. meat on them bones. Uh, this movie is is so goddamn dull in virtually every aspect, aside from maybe Sandra Bullock just being very naturally affable as a screen presence. Uh, but beyond that, like if Dennis Miller doesn't do nothing for you and he doesn't do nothing for me, this movie's got nothing going for it. <laughs> he is top 10 worst SNL alumni from that decade, I would say. Uh, the only other one I could think that was worse was that guy who did the stupid uh, uh, Jerry Lewis impression. I can't even think of his name. He did the impression in uh, Star Trek in one of the early, in like this the first season. Um yeah, dude, this movie, it just, it's the most boring. Like, I'm sitting there watching it with Steph, and she's just like, well, you just judged it before you even got going. You you thought it was going to suck before you got, before it even started. And I'm like, yes, because it was boring from frame, from frame one, basically. They made a guy killing himself boring <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that she tried to, to, you know, find a way to, you know, intellectualize the discussion a little bit. <laughs> and you're just like, no. It fucking sucked. <laughs> well, she wasn't even watching it. She was on her phone. She was just being difficult. She was uh, looking on the bright side, <laughs> but but there was no bright side to be found. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't even give you a plot summary of this because I really don't know what the plot of this movie is, other than she has a floppy disk, which I only ever used to type up a paper and print at school. So I don't know what the capacity of this floppy disk is. I feel like it's far exceeding its capabilities. For it's what like it's three what... megs, Kyle. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't even know what that could handle. Like at that time, what could you possibly have put on there? Our uh, the wallpaper version of our logo is about three <laughs> megs. <about that. laughs> yeah. Um. I just yeah. I I don't understand. So, but do you want to talk about the director or where Sandy was sure, at this time before sure. I try to give a plot? I'm going to try to come up with a plot summary. All right, you do that. I'll 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 vamp. I'll talk about the the fuckers who made this pile. Um, so, um, the net 1995 uh, is brought to us from director Erwin Winkler. Um, now, folks at home, you may actually be familiar with that name, although I was not familiar with the fact that uh, this fella is a film director uh, on top of what I largely know him for being that of a film producer. Um, He has directed a handful of films, uh, not many of which register with me as being terribly important, Um, but I'll, I'll list them off because it's a pretty short list. Uh, We have guilty by suspicion and night and the city, both of whom uh, both of which uh, star Robert De Niro, uh, which is a big deal. Um, but neither of those movies I know off the top of my head um, for any critical acclaim or anything. Uh, then there's this, The Net, 
we have At First Sight, uh, which stars uh, Val Kilmer and Mira Sorvino, uh, two people who were kind of hot, uh, but I'm not sure if 1999 was their their peak years. Um, we have Life as a House. Um, don't know that one. Uh, we have D Lovely uh, and Home of the Brave is his last uh, directed film. Um, now, the main thing I know Erwin Winkler for these days uh, is that he's involved in a, a very public feud uh, with star uh, Sylvester Stallone. Um, Stallone has accused Erwin Winkler of uh, deviously snatching away the rights uh, to the Rocky Balboa franchise from him, um, which has resulted in Stallone kind of divorcing himself from uh, future projects uh, involving the Rocky franchise going forward. Although he has said that his his feud is personal in that if Erwin Winkler passes away or if he becomes not involved in the Rocky films at some point, then Stallone will happily rejoin them because he has no beef with like Michael B. Jordan or any of the other folks. It's strictly a, a head to head kind of thing. But in recent days, that's that's where you'll find Erwin Winkler's name being mentioned on the Googles. But yeah, as far as I can tell, he's not much of a director. Um, he has a lot of he has a lot of producer credits under his belt that are pretty extraordinary. Um, but if this is if this film is an indication of his talents as director, not good, my friend. <laughs> not good. Uh, I've seen Life as a House. That's Hayden Christensen and Arliss Loveless, not Arliss Loveless. Fucking Kevin Klein, Wild Wild West, whatever his character's name. I do like Kevin Klein. Uh, I remember watching that as a kid. Uh, it probably sucks, but I remember it being okay. Like it, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It was far better than this for sure. Uh, yeah. So Sandy, uh, at the time, she was what do we call this. Is our first run. I think this is the end of her first run, and she's about to hit that second run. That sounds accurate to me. Do you want to? Do you want to run through it? Yeah, I'll run through it real quick. Um, so we've got. Prior to the net, I think she had a couple of, uh, I think you mentioned one already. So I think it all started, I think, probably when she came onto the scene was uh, Demolition Man from 93. Uh, yeah. We've got Speed 94. Uh, While You Were Sleeping, which I know people like. That was the same year as this, the net. Um, a Time to Kill, which I, I know is famous for the Samuel L. Jackson line at the end. But other than that, I don't know anything about that film. Uh, speed two, which I believe she was the headliner of, uh, because I think Keanu was speed one, she was speed two. Hope floats, it was 98, practical magic 98. Man, she weren't she was working like crazy in 98. One, two, three, four, five movies in 1998. Uh, Hope floats 99, and then 28 days later, this is when we start getting into her second wave. I think. 28 days later is probably the last of her first wave. You keep calling 28 it 28 days. 28 days. 28 days. 28 days. <laughs> they came out like the same time, too. I think it's the same year, 2000. I think you're uh, right, but that's hilarious. I actually didn't know that. Days later. Yeah. Uh, 28 days. And then Miss Congeniality, I think, is what skyrocketed her second, her second wave, basically. Yeah, and I know uh, I don't know about the quality of the film, but she she is in Crash. Uh, which in 2004 mm. was a big fucking deal. A lot of people don't particularly like that movie, but at in 2004, it was a very big deal. The movie not about fucking. Okay. Yes, yes, not the crash about fucking. The other one okay. about race relations and whatnot. 
you know, truly Man. sexy material. <laughs> so back to the 28 weeks and 28 weeks later. Uh, funny thing, I might have mentioned this before. Something funny my parents did. They went to go rent that uh, um, Hugh Grant, uh, Julianne Moore film, uh, not uh, nine and a half months or nine months, whatever it is about her being pregnant. Uh, but what they got instead was the Kim Basinger film, Nine and a Half Weeks, which is an entirely different film. And they all sat down to watch it. They're like, this is my friend from work told me to watch this. This doesn't seem like something she'd recommend. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering if anybody made that mistake with 28 days and then 28 days later. Yeah, they're sitting down for their rom-com. Instead, they get zombie chaos. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Something. Uh, but yeah, these uh, days, Sandy Bullock, she's she's kind of a... I, I was telling Kyle off-air that she's entered this rarefied air of just being this kind of beloved presence in Hollywood. Like, she has a lot of super fans. Like, people really, really like this lady. I just re I, I just recently watched uh, rewatched uh, Miss Congeniality, yeah. which holds up and is really funny still. Uh, from also watched uh, Clueless for the first time since I was uh, a child. That movie doesn't hold up. Uh, yeah, actually, problems. Uh, the girlfriend had me watch that for the first time uh, maybe a year ago, and it was it was all right. <laughs> I want to give a I want to give a shout out to them uh showing uh teens smoking weed or young people smoking weed in 1995 and not making a big deal out of it. Good on them for that cuz it's not a big fucking deal. Bad on them for having the love interest be someone she was formerly related to. What what were we thinking? Um the I wanted another thing with uh, Sandy Bullock and why she's also America's sweetheart. Uh I believe she was married to Jesse James uh for a bit who subsequently cheated on her uh yeah ah, so, so she think... so she gets sympathy points she I she think... she was in the right he fucked up i don't even know if people are aware of that but i feel like that's just going to only make their bond with her stronger yeah no she she has an audience um i'm not exactly one of them but i can't i can't exactly point to a single film that she's done and say that like she made it worse like i generally like her it's just she's not like a huge selling point for me personally but um i do need to point out the 2009 uh the blind side um the white guilt movie <laughs> the football movie um i believe she did get an oscar for that one uh it was a really big deal critically um i saw it out of the corner of my eye i wasn't terribly impressed but i want to say for mainstream in particular american audiences that probably that probably gave her a pretty big bump as well uh, can i ask do you think that movie kind of influenced uh, influenced the uh uh king that i think is like king williams or king williams the will smith movie where they're he's their dad like it's not even a movie about how great the the uh the williams sisters are at tennis it's like look how great their dad was at pushing them to be great I'm the like, support system movie I'm sure you should definitely mention that in a film about the Williams sisters, but I don't need, I don't need to know. I don't need a whole story about him. Same with the blind side. It's like, look how great this guy who just picked up playing football randomly. Like, look how great he is. No, 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 no. Let's talk about the white lady. That basically <laughs> just snatched him off the street and just like, you're going to play football now. How great she is. Yeah. I let's talk about the white lady with the big hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, 
she's firm and she goes to church so yeah i'm telling you uh, that movie probably earned like earned like earned her way into the hearts of many many americans in particular yeah uh i found a plot summary for this and i it seems like it works uh i'm gonna read the short one this is just the the imdb default plot summary of this film a computer programmer quote unquote stumbles upon a conspiracy quote unquote putting her life and the lives of those around her quote unquote in great danger i added those quotes because i don't know if any of those have been ver any any of this has been verified as what happens in this film yeah so a huge a huge problem with this movie is that as kyle just illustrated through all those quote unquote um the the plot is is nebulous at best like it's very very hazy uh the approach to delivering the information to us the viewer and also the characters uh is extraordinarily clunky um and not only that like there's there's so many ways that you could streamline it and make it so much easier in fact like the thing that really ruins this movie like in 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 like a retrospective context is the fact that enemy of the state exists um, yes, and, and completely outmodes this movie. It's like we don't need this movie because we have a much better one. <laughs> it they uh, enemy of the state dumped gasoline on this movie and set it on fire because that, all I could think of was this whole movie was like enemy of the state is a far superior film uh, in every way. It's oh, so much better. Yeah, a hundred percent in every aspect. It 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 outpaces this movie in in terms of energy, um, in terms of its in terms of how it uses tech, uh, the way it presents it, and the way it makes it very easily understood by us, the audience, in terms of making sure we know who the bad guys are and what their aims are at any given moment, it's a movie that moves very, very quickly but never leaves you behind, and it has that Tony Scott charm to it. Enemy of the State is a very good movie. Um, mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, both of these movies share DNA in that they they both have the tech angle, but also it's a very familiar story setup in that it's the it's the person who saw something they weren't supposed to. Uh, it's a very very familiar conspiracy like movie conspiracy thriller concept um, that's it's been a big deal in in cinema for many many decades. Uh, very familiar ground. Only difference is enemy of the state does this does everything this movie does and more and does it better <laughs> like like the thing i think the most obvious thing is that enemy of the state has fucking energy if there was anything that you could say about that film it's like it's energy because yeah. it you're you're stationary one moment and then you were on the fucking run and it picks up and stops so well in that movie this it's like it's boring even when there's something that's supposed to be exciting happening it it was kind of baffling how they accomplish nothing with the with the energy and the pacing. Oh, it it is actually kind of remarkable. Like like a, in watching it now, like I I have this tool I have this tool set as a person who can consume consume film now, where it's like it it can be terrible, and I can still find a way to find it fascinating because of the choices made and and mm -hmm. like a, a specific example that Kyle's talking about energy. Is there, there's a sequence where Sandy Bullock has to jump across a it's a it's a drawbridge and the bridge is going up and oh funny enough um, another '90s tech slash conspiracy thriller that we covered many years ago uh, Chain Reaction 
uh, starring Keanu oh, Reeves God. with a bad foot injury. Apparently, um, uh, he's kind of he's kind of pudgy in that. One. <laughs> um, uh, he's a little soft in that one, but he had a broken yeah. foot. Fuck off. <laughs> Even Keanu is entitled to a day off. But that that's that movie also has a drawbridge, like a foot chase escape sequence. Only difference is the way they choreograph that. The bridge goes like at like a 90 degree angle and he has to like struggle to escape. And it's like this harrowing sequence. But this one, like the bridge, like is two, three feet apart. And she has to just go. Eh! <laughs> and she just kind of like gingerly hops across. And then the stupid goon who's chasing who are, who, by the way, is the only goon in this movie. There's a there's a lady who shows up later. But the goon squad in this movie, we had what we had. A con, uh, uh, the, the progeny of James Con, uh, his neck muscles, and uh, Jake yeah. Busey, a whole bunch of other motherfuckers with frosted tips chasing Will Smith all through Enemy at the Gate or Barry, Enemy of the Barry, State, excuse me. Barry Pepper is putting in like Tom Cruise, Robert Patrick level running in that film. Barry Pepper is fucking going for it in that movie. I'm he watching that movie is. after we get off here. That's what I kind of want to do. I kind of want to. <laughs> 100% happening. I think I bought it because I know that I like to watch it on, on a drop of a dime. I'm just like, yep, I'm watching Enemy of the State. Yeah. No, you know how uh, Robert Patrick talked about his uh, T-1000 run and how it made him mm. feel like he could like run straight through a brick wall? Like They literally do that in that movie. Like They're just like yeah. smashing through doors and stuff to get to what's-his-face Jason Lee in that in that early sequence. That That is a harrowing chase sequence, by the way. It's very it traumatic great. as a child seeing a man on a bike get hit like clobbered by a truck or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Jason Lee? I'm pretty sure that was him who who first had the 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 MacGuffin that ends up in Will Smith's uh, possession. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I I got I got uh hairs crossed on Terminator. So I'm like, oh, like, excuse what? me. Jason Lee was <laughs> I don't remember. I would have remembered him being in there. I think he was still skateboarding at that point. Um, yeah, he was the yeah. guy at the Galleria who who had the Coke can that got shot up, and he he like asked if somebody yeah. was he just, he had to remind the terminator he was a Coke, fucking demon. No ice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, we just I don't feel like we could possibly go through this front to back, but like maybe highlight the. How about we just like, talk about it, Kyle? Because let's this, just talk about this, it. This movie hurt both of us on some level, and I think we're enjoying just shooting the breeze about yeah. it. <laughs> because I do, uh, because unfortunately last week, because of scheduling, I wasn't able to join you on the uh, Ghost in the Machine episode, which I really wish I could have, because it's been the best movie so far. I haven't even listened to what you had to say about it. So I did that on purpose, because maybe at the end we could spend maybe just five or ten minutes. I just wanted to throw a few things at you about that movie. Um, sure. But... I had a joke at the beginning of this. Uh, the guy, the senator at the beginning ends up shooting himself at a park bench. He's just like, I don't know why he's doing it, but he's shooting himself. But his last meal, Trevor, did you see what his last meal was? Was it like a Dannon yogurt or some shit? <laughs> no, it was like half a green apple. And I'm like, Ugh. did he kill him, kill himself because he's on a diet? I, I get that. Like, if, if your wife is just like, your health is bad and you have to go on a diet and he's just eating that green apple and he's just like, Fuck it. This is, cannot be the rest of my life. <laughs> I can't take it no more. <laughs> I can't take it. She took the Twiggies. She took the fudge got, rounds. Yeah. I got to no, shit five eating. times a day. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, I had a question for you yeah. um, at, at the beginning when we we're introduced to Sandy. This is one problem, I think, with the film is that 
we're we're gonna probably compare i think probably we're gonna compare and contrast this to enemy of the state because it's it's the same movie um <laughs> it's the same idea but they do so like think about how much you learn about will smith about this murder about john voight about jason lee like you learn all this in like the first 10 minutes of the film and you get so much about these characters this it's like she's just kind of a person on a computer who's in a chat room she works remotely i guess i really don't know they do it's not even clear as to who she is as a person or or who she is as a character what she does what any of this is like you're still halfway through the movie like what does she even do uh she is like a program debugger i think like she she troubleshoots uh, the integrity of of programming so people send her like software programs and she she's like she's like a tester of sorts um uh this made me start watching silicon valley again by the way you need to be watching that trevor because that's your boy mike judge knocking it out of the park week after week with that show no uh, shit i'm surprised it's taking you this long it's 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 fantastic um, I had a question about this game that is being played. I don't know if it's her playing it or somebody else, but we had this computer game and my dad did not let me play it because it was bloody. And I think the hysteria at the time was video games are going to make kids gay and kill people. Uh, it's, it's the craziest <laughs> shit. Was this, was this Duke Nukem or was this a different game? I don't remember what the title of the game was. It's on the tip of your tongue um, and your brother probably get a kick out of this, but that is Wolfenstein 3D. There we go. And that is specifically the Mac version of it, which I have never personally played. Um, but just looking at the graphics in it, uh, they apparently gave it an extra coat of paint uh, because the, the Wolf 3D <laughs> that I played back in the day did not look that good. I recognized the, recognized the character and the first-person shooter, but I'm like, eh, look that pretty. Like, <laughs> I think they did add a coat of paint to that. I think you're right. Um <laughs> So what is with the songs too? Did did you catch the the soundtrack, the the score, and the music choices throughout this film? How could you not? I noticed them. Was that Annie Lennox uh, on the? Oh, it, I think so. The song. It sounded like Annie Lennox. I kind of assumed, but all, I was like, I'm not. I'm not gonna go verify that. I'm just gonna kind of assume. <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> honor this film by looking into it even a little. <laughs> not even a little bit um yeah the the music choices the i think that's probably the most frustrating thing for me when we're trying to actually have energy with the chase sequences specifically that when she's getting chased by the cops it's like a dong ding so dong Folks, uh, to to fill to fill this in with even more detail. Um, so there is a there is a, a a choice in instrumentation made in this movie where it actually has some pleasant melodies in its quieter moments. But like Kyle said, when it's an action mode, some questionable, yeah, some some questionable <laughs> choices were made. Uh, in in particular, the the instrumentation uh, because we have a piano that just goes. It's just like two keys that just go. But it's like it's like a telephone ring, though. It's like it does. It makes you like look around, like you get flashbacks from when you're at mom and dad's house or something. 
It's insane. It's like he let his five-year-old niece who's taking piano lessons score this thing. He's like, no, 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 she's got it. She'll, she'll take care of it. It's like if Uncle Leo was watching this movie, it'd be like, somebody answer that damn phone! Seriously. <laughs> but uh, by but, the way, the score is by Mark Isham, uh, who is actually a massively accomplished uh, film composer. Um, and I will actually defend parts of the score, um, but the action beats are absolutely not it's strong points. It's mostly oh, okay. just like quieter, more contemplative scenes, specifically just hovering around Sandy Bullock and like nonverbal sequences. Um, but if you look into his film filmography, he's he's very talented. Like he's done quite a lot of good in his career, just not maybe this movie. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I didn't I was like, her mom is gonna be a plot device, but I'm not sure what kind of plot device she's going to serve. And her mom is mom has uh, Alzheimer's or some sort of dementia. She doesn't know who she is after she visits her. But it's only so that she doesn't have anybody close to her that can identify her later when her identity is stolen. Yeah, it's a uh, it is a plot contrivance uh, because <laughs> as as silly as this movie gets, and it is very silly uh, that that's like the big one that like you really had to stretch the 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 characterization here, like the background of this character just just to make just to smash the square peg of this plot into the round hole that they're trying to tell. Because yeah, the the whole thing hinges on her having apparently zero human connections outside of Dennis Miller and her mother, who's you know cognitively compromised um what's funny actually is if you think about it for one second the pizza service could probably bail her out because they would yeah. the way she orders this but the, the there's a sequence early in this movie that's i think largely what this movie's remembered for aside from the seinfeld connection um sandy bullock orders a pizza via the internet in 1995 mm-hmm. which was fucking mind-blowing yeah like just next level craziness um and the way she does that it's like a couple of clicks which if if you read into it it's like they must have her like billing information and her address and you know aspects of her identity preserved in her account via the pizza.net service that would have been really cool writing, actually, if like the pizza people right, were able to restore her identity or confirm her identity, because so much of this movie is just her running around screaming her name and nobody believing her because, but the chart says, the computer says your name's not that, therefore you're not that. And because she has zero fucking friends, somehow this works. It's fucking yeah. annoying. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, did you catch? So she's going to go to Mexico and uh, somebody messes with the flight schedule or whatever it is. Like throughout this whole film, she has people. She's given like a floppy disk. And from that moment on, people are basically following her. Uh, but did you see what uh, what was showing up on the screens at the airport when she's getting ready to go fly? When the like, flights are canceled, delayed and hijacked. <laughs> I didn't know that they had that as an option on the on the boards. Uh, I didn't. I didn't either. I wouldn't I think like the a, terminal would be especially uh, keen on sharing that with the general public. <laughs> yeah, like we're hijackings having so much. Like were they happening so much in 1995 that we we got to get we got to get a thing for it. We have to get so people know. Yeah, <laughs> um, dude. I think the only interesting sequence in this film 
is this this next port like this next portion of the film where she's in Mexico meeting this dude and going to dinner that it's the only interesting part of the movie yeah it it has you know some quaint like like suspense qualities to it where it starts out like a meat cute of sorts it's like you're a fucking idiot if you don't know where it's going but i was gonna say were people falling for this like i was watching i'm like that's the bad guy that's the bad guy (laughs) he's british he's he's up to no good (laughs) yeah dude uh this is uh this is not jason isaacs uh after a good look at this guy and listening to him talk i'm like he reminds me of jason isaacs like he would go for the same kinds of roles I, i can build on that so he's not jason isaacs he's certainly not pierce brosnan no. Uh, he's certainly not James Purefoy. He's certainly not Robert Carlyle. Uh, he's probably a head taller than Robert Carlyle, by the way. About a quarter as talented. Most people, maybe an most people are, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this guy was in a lot of casting offices with a lot of gentlemen from the UK and Ireland who were infinitely uh, better off than him when it came to the roles that they got, at least in our country, at least in the US. I can't speak for his career in, in the UK, but... Yeah, this guy did not amount to much of anything as far as I know. Um, And in some ways, I I feel like maybe his casting was partially intentional, where it's like he's it's his first American film. So his price tag's probably low. He's the way his hair is done up and the fact that he's British in 1995 makes me think that they're very intentionally trying to draw a parallel to Pierce Brosnan's, you know, take on James Bond. I was going to say, I would say Pierce Brosnan was like one poor choice away from being in this movie because he would have been, he could have done this role, basically. He was three years removed from the lawnmower. Man. <laughs> exactly. Like it was right there. It was, it was near right miss. there. Uh, yeah, this is kind of crazy. Like he charms the pants off of her. Not literally, just, you know, he he charms her. Uh, because he knows information about her, basically. No, but actually, she, Kyle, uh, he he literally does. Like he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he convinces her to get on a boat. He's like, "Let's go to dinner tonight." He man, he convinces her to go to dinner. She gets on a boat with him, and I don't know if you would have noticed this, Trevor, but when they go out to dinner, they are drinking clear cocktails with little onions in them. Are you familiar? Do you know what this drink is? Only because I've watched this movie, Kyle, but would you care to let our listeners know what you're alluding to? It's not even a martini, like a vodka martini. It's a gin martini. They're drinking gin martinis in Mexico. That's not what you drink when you're in Mexico. I was about to say, not the first drink that comes to mind when I think south of the border. (laughs) South of the border, you're going to go tequila. And then second, you're probably going to go tequila. And then a close third, you go rum. But first two are going to be tequila. Yeah, <laughs> certain parts, you know, probably rum. But yeah, the mezcal, tequila, something along those lines. That's I, As a person who doesn't drink, like even I, that's what I would go to. But this is called a Gibson, is what they call it in the film. Uh, have you ever heard of that before? I believe uh, that probably is another term for a Jim Martini, but I could be wrong. Let me double check that. There's quite a lot of repetition of it. So at the very least, the screenwriters seem confident that that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it actually is. But um, speaking of which, uh, folks at home, we actually did a drinking movies month uh, a few years ago here at Catching Up on Cinema. And I I know Kyle's keen on giving it another whirl at some point. Um, 
on that topic, Kyle, is this something, you know, provided you're not in Mexico, is this something that you would actually consider drinking? Uh, I've actually had, I didn't realize it was called a Gibson. I just called it a gin martini. Um, yeah, it, that's what a Gibson is. I have actually made it before. It's not too bad. I've actually come around to gin as I've gotten older. It's particularly good in the wintertime when it's cold because uh, gin is very floral and has a unique kind of uh, taste and flavor to it. And I feel like it's best when it's cold. Not in Mexico. That's one of the last things I drink in Mexico is gin. Yeah, so way to go, Sandy Bullock, uh, drinking Gibsons in Southern California and Mexico. That's that's uh, apparently where you do that, according to Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do not agree with that. Um, but yeah, so he, we've learned that he's the bad guy. They stage a, a purse snatching here again. Did you did you figure out who these people work for? Or, like, what's so bad about this this floppy disk that she has? Now, see, from a presentation and a writing standpoint, that that's kind of what I was very clunkily trying to allude to towards the top of this discussion. That, that's, like, one of the biggest problems with that, with the way this movie's put together, is that all of the bad guys, aside from our British gentleman, who is, he's supposed to be, like, a Terminator kind of figure, but he is absolutely incompetent and completely unthreatening. Um, Sandy Bullock has like no combat training. She has no, no real unique ability, uh, in her ability to escape danger. And this guy just fails and fails and fails left and right. He is completely incompetent. And he has shown up so many times earlier in the movie that by the time you get to the end and he's still the only bad guy we have, it's, it's laughable. Um, and what I'm getting at here is that like, the actual villains like the actual plot of this movie happening around this character not the things happening to the character but like the actual going-ons that are causing all these things to be done to the character it's all just talked about like you would do in i don't know the first few episodes of a tv series before you know where you're going with the story but this is a self-contained motion picture where you have two hours to to get all this out there and it's actually kind of hilarious that that like we very seldom actually touch on the organization and the characters who are actually instrumental in in like doing all the horrible things that they're doing to this woman. It's it's baffling actually that they took the approach that they they did because apparently it's this this is like mind blowing kind of shit. So apparently the villains in this movie are a cyber terrorist organization called the Praetorians. Who were never seen uh the the head the head of it is uh, the ceo of a of a computer secure a software security firm who is only seen via television monitors a couple of times for a couple of seconds and all of this is just talked about and the rest of it's just voices on the other ends of phones again kind of kind of the same horseshit that you would do in like a tv show or something where it's like we haven't cast those people yet We'll just have them as voiceovers until we're ready to actually have actors represent them on screen or something. It's a, it's a shame that Larry David is such a great writer. And I love the gag of uh, the English patient about everybody just like saying it's the best movie and they all watch it like this is fucking boring. It's terrible. <laughs> I wish. But they don't really they don't really recycle jokes. It's just not 
this is not what he does. Uh, so it's unfortunate that they couldn't do that with this. It's just like, what the? F- this is so boring. Like, what even is this movie? At least they wasted it. At least they used that joke on a, a movie that definitely deserved it. A movie that was getting high praise that is boring as sin. I tried watching it, dude. It can't be watched. I haven't seen it myself, but but to to conclude the thought, like the the thing that's really irksome about the way they structured the plot in this and the way they set up their quote villains in this is that it comes across as really petty and incompetent that they're jumping through all these extraordinary hoops uh, using their hacking abilities to upend this woman's digital footprint and like basically just stamp out her identity. And it's like, for, for what? Like, like just shoot her in the fucking head and call it good. <laughs> like, like what the fuck is the point, man? <laughs> Speaking of shooting somebody in the head, uh, Dennis Miller fucking pops up uh, after uh, a while. Cause literally like she, she gets, uh, she almost gets murdered in Mexico by this dude on the boat. She swims to shore. She loses her identification. She has to go to the border. They're like, we're going to give you a different name when you go into America because you don't have your identification, which makes no fucking sense. In the meantime, her home has been sold and uh, she's trying to say that she is this person and she's not. So that all takes about, I'd say, five minutes of screen time to just kind of go from from A to B there. But then she gets to this hotel room and that is where or she gets she meets up with Dennis Miller and then the movie just comes to a dead fucking halt for like 50 minutes. It's kind of crazy. This midsection of this movie. I do not get it. Yeah. Um. Another another misstep um in this movie and and you Wait, know was the, the, what was the plot or dennis miller <laughs> well i mean yes. that, that yes. uh, if, if we're being honest yeah that weird casting uh especially considering he's supposed to be her like psychotherapist and x and x they was fucking and so, and he was he was her side piece <laughs> his side we piece were... excuse me we were really kind of nonchalant at this time, like kind of just like, eh, it's kind of whatever about like ethical issues with like this, the power dynamics between like um, uh, professors and students. Uh, there's a whole long thread about Ross dating a student uh, on friends. And it's just like, it happens. It's not like they kind of make jokes about him dating a younger woman, but they don't even mention that. Like, you know, she's in your class. Like you're a person of authority. You're grading this. her papers. <laughs> you're grading her papers. <laughs> Same here. It is highly unethical for a psych, uh, for a therapist or a psychologist, psychiatrist to date their, uh, to date their patients. Now, my question was: Was he dating her before he started giving her therapy, or was he giving her therapy, started dating her, dumped her, and is still giving her therapy? I mean, any way you unwrap that, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I don't know what the I don't know what the ethics are. Like if you are treating a patient and then later after you're done treating them, you maybe date them. I'm like, I could see that being possibly OK. I still don't think it is. But yeah. But oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. If this was if this is just why we had comedians kind of pop into 90s, this was kind of popular in the 90s. Think Chris Rock and Lethal Weapon 4, um, where you have comedians be in otherwise supposed to be serious movies, but they're doing their shtick, doing their comedian thing. Um, Dennis Miller in here is like, 
he did have one joke. I, I'll admit, I'm like that was funny. But other than that, like you just want to smack him. He's just unbearable. It's that goddamn smirk and that that general yeah. air of smugness. Um, that air, that smugness, like yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was also so. big, big hair, Dennis Miller. So it's even worse. <laughs> I think this is right after he left Saturday Night Live. I think he had just finished that tracks. And actually, what's kind of funny is like I haven't, I don't even have his his page pulled up on Wikipedia. I'm just riffing here. Uh, I'm working yeah. from memory without a net. Uh, so, if memory serves, um, Bordello of Blood was probably around this oh, time. Oh God, dude, we have to do we have to do that at some point. I'm. I sorry, would love to. No, I've, I've seen yeah. that movie a couple of times. It is it is campy. It is goofy. It's not very good, but it it, it tickles it tickles you sometimes. <laughs> is that is that Tales from the Crypt or is it just its own thing? No, it's Tales from the Crypt. Demon Knight okay. is is far and away the better film, but Bordello of Blood still has you know some fun to it. Is that William Zane in that one? Yes, uh, William okay. Xanatos or whatever his his birth name was. <laughs> <laughs> um, we love Billy. I saw, yeah, and his eyebrows. We do. Um, but yeah, Bordello of Blood, I want to say, was roughly around this time. And funny enough, um, a movie that I know you haven't seen, but was actually floated um, as a potential for our Cyber Techno Future Shock Month, uh, Disclosure, uh, mm. which is also a tech thriller from around this time period. He has a very small role in that movie. And really the only novelty factor of that is, uh, well, I mean, if you like watching Michael Douglas fuck, uh, which we, yep, <laughs> and I do, we all do. Uh, but I mean, that movie has that. Uh, a lot of his movies have that, but that one has that. Um, but also, that one uh, is actually legitimately filmed in uh, downtown Seattle, uh, in the oh. Pioneer Square area. Um, and you actually oh, nice. see '90s my backyard. <laughs> it's actually kind of <sighs> cool. Like they legitimately actually filmed it there. You know, you know, it's something that we've I don't think we've ever talked about doing Seattle movies. Uh, singles would be way up there as one to do. I haven't uh, seen that, it, but that would be a good excuse. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd like to go back and watch some uh, films that were actually shot in Seattle, not in Tacoma with one shot that they took. I'm fifty fifty was supposed to take place in Seattle and it's shot in Tacoma. Uh, well, Vancouver, uh, Canada is usually where these where Seattle movies are shot. <laughs> it's a thing i i think our uh i think our permits suck or something uh because i actually do have a friend who tried to film out here uh he's from portland and uh didn't go well didn't happen yeah. even it was that bad yeah nice try motherfucker uh, not my, <laughs> get not my city <laughs> get back down there no, fuck back to the fuck back to portland <laughs> get back to bridgetown <laughs> nah, that used to be that used to be the logo of seattle now it's uh seattle get the fuck back to the foul and get the fuck back to the valley <laughs> pick up your shit and get out <laughs> back to california get out of my state um and god yeah. forbid if you have a car <laughs> we don't need any more of those <laughs> If you have a California license plate and you cut me off in traffic, I will scream honk at you. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Jack Torrance swinging an axe. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm not joking. Uh, So what was I going to say? His joke that was funny. I I did think it was pretty good was where she's like, do you have that laptop I gave you? He's like, wearing it right now. I'm like, that's... That, I'll give that, that was quick and yes that that elicit elicits at least a smile you know 
I think what bothers me about him is like he's a guy who thinks he's funny, but he's not really that funny. Didn't he do football broadcasting for a hot minute there? I think he's a Republican. I think he's a uh, I think he's kind of a little Republican is. commentator. Uh, I think he uh, does. Yeah, I think he did that back when it was kind of OK to be like an outspoken celebrity Republican. And now it's kind of like I'm not calm. I'm not saying about what the, <laughs> where things have gone recently. I'm saying as the as the celebrity Republicans like Arnold has definitely been very vocal about he does not like the way things have gone. Other ones are just like, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, so what you're saying is Chris Pratt's not going to be on Monday Night Football anytime soon. <laughs> God, I hope not. Uh, I don't think it's going to matter because apparently the Mario movie is just fucking raking in the dough. Mamma mia. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, dude, this fucking hotel sequence. I have it marked down as sleepy time because this is just... Yeah, what what I started to get into before we talked about a I lot was of rudely mud- interrupted. <laughs> no, before we talked about a lot more fun things than the movie itself <laughs> was uh, uh, an unfortunate like symptom of a lot of these this era of tech thrillers and and in fact just tech movies in general uh, is that by necessity you have to spend quite a lot of time just showing people computer monitors. And just mm-hmm. software windows opening and closing and just click just keys clattering and stuff. And so there's supposed to be a lot of visual storytelling that's happening. Um, but I really don't know if like a sexy way to do that unless you like really take it for a walk and like make it very effects intensive or like you do ghost in the machine stuff where you're like zipping through cable lines and like like <laughs> yeah doing like crazy cgi stuff for like really really mundane hacking and stuff but but the way they present it in this movie is unfortunately very very dry um and actually i think i i don't know i don't know computer stuff all that well but i do know they did actually have tech advisors on the film so i wouldn't be surprised if maybe the dryness comes from like a legit attempt to kind of do it straight which again is just completely dry and 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 deeply unsexy um, from yeah. a filmmaking standpoint. Well, the fun thing I'm going to go back to Enemy of the State. Uh, <laughs> the fun thing about that film was it was about surveillance. So yes. this this team has basically tapped into satellite cameras, which is highly illegal. But they were saying it was a training exercise. So everything that's being told to you is where he's moving to that's basically what they're saying is like oh we have just be heads up there's something happening up here okay he's headed this way so all the commute computer information is just camera information essentially and relaying that information this the information that's on here like i think i saw that program two times that's the only thing i remember seeing was that what, what is it mozart uh Mozart's Mozart's ghost Mozart's ghost and it literally sounds like fucking Corey Feldman being a teenage mutant Ninja Turtle just watched that the other day or yesterday actually (laughs) no just yesterday actually yeah yeah (laughs) yeah the the girlfriend hadn't seen it so I I, we're on a we're on a roll recently of like catching up on good stuff off air like off off the podcast it's actually a, a really unfortunate trend I've noticed Kyle is that like we we gotta like start just watching good stuff because like like folks at home you you probably aren't aware of this but like Kyle and I actually do enjoy good movies we watch yeah. a lot of good movies 
We just don't talk about them here. I have a and criterion collection. <laughs> I have a criterion collection, which is made up of 99% all good movies, um, aside from the Michael Bay films that are in there. Um, well, one of the Michael Bay films, The Rock, is a good movie. Armageddon, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, we we like legitimately good movies. <laughs> like we, uh, this is just uh, the these can be fun. These bad movies can be fun, but it's also just kind of interesting to see where we were at different like different different time periods. And this, not only from like a technology standpoint, but also from like a filmmaking standpoint, this is an interesting month to do just to kind of see. Well, what did we think technology was going to be like? Where did we think computers were going to go? Well, yeah, actually, Kyle just hit the nail on the head with that point just now. Um, that that's that's why I thought this this month would be novel. It would it'd be kind yeah. of fun because these all of these movies came out when when I was a kid or Kyle was a kid. And all of these movies deal with visions of the near future and all of them are completely fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. So we, we're also like you and I are in a unique uh, period where you and I, we've witnessed this grow. We witnessed Windows 90. We witnessed like Oregon Trail shit. And then we witnessed Windows 95 and just where it shot for like just where it skyrocketed from there, like over the decades. So there are people, I mean, there are people, listeners that are younger than us that I don't even think they have any idea of what we thought this was going to be like outside of these movies. Like it's so far advanced now than what they thought, like what they thought it was capable of or what it was going to do. Yeah. I had a slightly embarrassing conversation with the girlfriend the other day where I had to, (laughs) I had to explain to her the wonders of dial up uh, because she had never (laughs) experienced it in, in her lifetime. Uh, She's a little bit younger than me such that, she has no memories of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, you you don't have any memories of having to tell your your parents that you're going on the Internet and having yeah. them have to, like, base their phone calls around around like when somebody was on the computer. Hey, are you on the phone? Yeah. Get, Get off. off. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I also had to tell her that uh, we used to get cds mailed to us constantly offering us free aol minutes and those minutes were actually kind of precious because like you got to get in and out like whatever business you have on the internet you got to do it quick (laughs) because you're you're on the clock motherfucker you're paying oh yeah yeah different time yeah now everybody's just got uh porn youtube and twitter just right in the front pocket just just ready to go yeah you can have all of those open at the same time (laughs) i I remember when i discovered youtube i almost failed one of my classes because it was a computer aided it was like uh uh drafting i was doing drafting and we moved from actual pencil and paper drafting to the computer and our teacher just did not give a shit about what we did as long as we did the assignments of the book I was just watching YouTube videos uh, the whole time when I discovered that. I remember the first time I used YouTube was uh, freshman year of college. Uh, one mm-hmm. of my, uh, not roommates, but like a hallmate, basically. A guy from a couple of doors down. I just like popped into his dorm and uh, he showed me, hey, you want to see this website, YouTube? And you know what, the, <laughs> Kyle, do you actually remember what the first thing you watched on YouTube was? uh let me see here uh you, tell me what yours is i'm gonna i'm gonna see what i can think if i can think of what the first thing i watched on youtube was okay i'll give you a second um so mine 
was uh do you do you know the cartoon Rocco's Modern Life, Kyle? Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. I'm familiar. Music to my ears. I love that show. It's one of my very it's favorite great. cartoons. Um it actually holds up really well too. Um so uh there is a uh, episode of Rocco's Modern Life called Wacky Deli. Um and it has it has a bad like a an intentionally bad cartoon within a cartoon called Wacky Deli um, that I was like, do they have Wacky Deli? (laughs) And and they did. And it blew my mind. I was like, you mean you can just type in what you want and they have it? What? What? (laughs) Okay. So I think I found, I think I, I think that I can say confidently, this was probably the first video I saw on the internet was uh, on youtube was uh unforgivable if you remember the unforgivable it is a a young black man out in the woods trying to get through this really funny story i cannot repeat anything that he says here <laughs> but it was dropped about 16 years ago uh if you can find it it's it's youtube gold it's we we quoted it it's just a mistake <laughs> it's, it's one of the funniest videos. I don't actually might... know that one. I don't know. Oh, that one. On, uh, yeah, Chocolate Rain was pretty high up there. Yes. Salad, Salad Fingers. I remember <laughs> uh, before Adult Swim. Really, that that was uh, that was up there. But yeah, early days YouTube was a blast. Um, I think Jenna Marbles is still a fucking person. I think you're right. Um, I never. That's she insane. Was, she was never even close to being on my radar i found out about her through some youtube lore uh some historical documentation via youtube about youtube that's where we're at folks (laughs) the serpent Uh, is very much eating its own ass (laughs) (laughs) i had uh i had i had friend girls who thought she was funny um but yeah, and then we also had, you know, the, the other Wild West websites uh, that were around at that time. We'll get into those, but just know, young listeners, that they anything that somebody older says that they saw, they saw. <laughs> Believe them. <laughs> Believe me. Okay, so before, before we move on, I just have to ask, you just have to say yay or nay. Did someone make you watch Two Girls, One Cup? And did they tell you what it was before they had you watch it? Uh, nay, uh, I am okay. aware. I know what it is. Um, I, I, of course, heard all the buzz, but no, nobody ever Rick rolled me with two girls one cup. <laughs> oh, I got Rick rolled with that. I got Rick rolled with that. Folks at home, look it up. <laughs> look, <laughs> look it up while you're at work. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know how much more in detail you want to go with the rest of this film. Uh, we're, I we're not, taking we're not notes after doing a detailed examination of the movie, Kyle. But I but... just don't know what else I have to say about like the. Okay, do you want to tell me at least tell me how it ends at some point? Sure. Uh, so okay. just before that, though, uh, Kyle's mentioned uh, surveillance uh, as being like the key, the kind of the core theme of uh, Enemy of the State. Um, mm-hmm. That that's what that's that movie's about. By the way, that that uh, electronic bloop noise lives rent free in my head uh, whenever they cut to the satellite it makes this blip noise mm-hmm. in that movie uh, for yeah. for whatever reason i just have that sound forever embedded well, in my memory well you'll see it later so it's, it's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll probably watch it tonight or something um anyway um 
that's kind of what this movie's about too. Although this one's more about uh security. Um it's like the it has a decent concept um because basically the core concept of the movie is that using uh backdoor programs and 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 hacking skills um through the magic of 90s technology um this evil cyber terrorist group erases Sandra Bullock's identity and mm-hmm. uh, it's all through the power of computers um so basically the movie's trying to instill fear uh in the viewer by making them aware of the fact that a lot of your personal information exists in a digital format and should it be tampered with has a ripple effect of affecting other systems and potentially robbing you of your you know legal personhood i guess which is frightening which, i was gonna say it was a scary idea like excuse me yeah i was i was thinking back and i'm like this concept was actually kind of scary back then because not because of that it was being held in a computer and that it could be messed with. I was thinking like, well, thank God it's in a computer. Like it would be a little like it's more retrievable because it's in a computer. It's probably safe somewhere. But I'm also like at the time storage was not what it is today. Like it was mostly like, oh, it's stored on a disc or they might have DMV records or her birth certificate on file somewhere. But it might only be one place. So I'm like, yeah, that's kind of spooky to think that it could be that easy. For someone just to erase you but now i feel like it's it's far it would be far more challenging i'm not saying that this stuff isn't happening people maybe having their identity stolen to the point where they can't get it back because they don't know anybody but i thought it was an interesting idea for the time i'm like that is kind of spooky it's a really interesting idea for the time although maybe it's a little bit ahead of its time uh because it's kind of funny because like i could totally see a very a much better version of this movie being made now. Um, mm-hmm. But tell me if I'm wrong on this, Kyle. Like, my gut tells me if they were to try to do this story now, the viewer, like, even if the movie didn't actually go down this road, but I think the viewer would just be expecting the government to be the bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and I'm not going to lie. I started this movie again. I don't think I ever legitimately watched this movie front to back when I was young. I certainly started it many times. Um, but by the time I got to the end of this one and it became clear that it was some nebulous cyber terrorist group, I was like, huh, you know, that probably would have been a lot more streamlined if you had done Enemy of the State and just had it be a corrupt politician or something pulling the strings mm-hmm. as opposed to some cyber terrorist group who we never see or hear from. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing that they do, uh, and it's it's kind of... Uh it's not a huge part of the film but yeah we have a corrupt politician in that movie but also we have uh the bad guy from the mask of zorro is a politician who's pushing for uh more surveillance by the government and they end up putting they end up stealing one or taking one of the uh things that they use to to videotape uh will smith and they put it in his house to kind of be like fuck you dude like what happens when it's put on you the f- the flip to that is that he would still just want to pass the bill even though it would happen to him <laughs> which I, I don't know if that's what they say in the film but i'm like i can tell you what he's gonna do he's just gonna be mad and he's still gonna want to get the bill passed um, oh yeah will smith was shot the very next day <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure he did not get his job back um <laughs> um but yeah that would have been a, this that would have been a little bit more interesting not a cyber terrorist group like 
that's well again really in 1995 silly. especially it's like your average moviegoer isn't really gonna have a good handle on what you're talking about probably no <laughs> we don't now <laughs> well e- even the movie doesn't fucking know because like when, <laughs> the movie doesn't know. No, when they're when like a couple of mouthpieces for that organization we only get two it, it's the british guy and the lady who's impersonating sandra bullock for a part of the movie like the like when they're questioning about these things it's like what do you want and and their basic answer is just like destabilization in the general sense i guess yeah <laughs> stop they're asking computer- questions <laughs> they're not even they're not even computer jokers they're not even anarchists they're just like they kind of want to slightly disrupt things a yeah, little bit and, and that's the, that's unfortunately the way it's portrayed in the movie they are computer misfits they're not, yeah. they're not even super villains they're just kind of assholes do th- I forgot you mentioned that this this uh, British guy or this English guy he is so bad at his job he is so bad at his job that his uh, one of his partners is just like man why didn't you just fucking you're terrible at this like you have not done your job at all it gets worse Kyle uh, you didn't you said you can't remember the end he sh- the, you know the the one other bad guy in the movie the the lady he this, shoots oh her. he shoots her <laughs> on accident. <laughs> Sandy, bam! Like that wasn't it, it, her. It's dude. not even like a she was in the way kind of thing. He just he just get he just gets jumpy and he shoots her. <laughs> my God, that is incompetence, I, my friend. He, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that he shoots her. It's terrible. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So why? Okay, so this that's weird. So why would you write your own character to be this bad at being a spy <laughs> to the point? Well, because it's not a, it's not really um a part of the plot of him being a bad, a bad whatever he is terrorist spy. She just calls him out on it. It's not like a funny like Leslie Nielsen like oh he's the worst spy. He just keeps shooting himself in the foot and bystanders or something. I just don't, I, I don't I, get why you would do that. I you know with all of my powers of podcasting, um, I cannot bullshit an answer. <laughs> like they completely undermine any sort of threat or menace that this character could have ever potentially held, um, by just making him look like a complete fucking clod. <laughs> okay, so I I want to try to see if I with the end of this movie. So she Dennis Miller's dead, by the way. Uh, it, not in real life. God. Maybe yeah. I maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't wish anything. I don't wish any harm on the man. It's just I want him to die in the movies that they try to put him in. As soon as he's just like <laughs> like when uh Alec Baldwin in uh Beetlejuice is trying to say Beetlejuice, but his jaw comes off, he goes, Bleh. Bleh. <laughs> That's when Dennis Miller should be shot. <laughs> Have him give him wow. a uh a Brad Brad Pitt cameo in Deadpool 2. It's just like he's just there for a frame, and then he's dead. <laughs> just have it. Uh, uh, just have it. Un. Uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen with a gun. Oh, it works. <laughs> <laughs> he's and like. He's like. I don't know. His new partner or something. Yeah. And oh, instantly shot. New gun works. Um. <laughs> uh, so she, after he's dead, she's like, I'm on my own. But then she's like, I'm gonna take these guys down. So she goes to the building where she was an employee, but nobody knows what she looks like, even though she had a desk there. Okay, we're just going to suspend disbelief for that. Yeah. So she's like, 
doing like I'm gonna do a fire alarm down she's downloading the floppy disk or downloading the whatever it is. <laughs> Stop the downloads. <laughs> They're using too many firewalls. Hide your subnet mask. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh ask Jeeves. Um yeah, so <laughs> I guess the idea is to get download the program or whatever it is. And then what is her plan? What is her plan to do after that? I'm, wow. I'm struggling. <laughs> so, so she breaks into her, her office. She this was over, released in theater. I know it's, it's pitiful. So she, and it made a lot of money. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, Sandy Bullock was pretty hot at the time, you know, but it, it legitimately did make money though. Okay, one thing that we forgot to mention throughout this film is that Sandra Bullock is flipping adorable. Like, she's just absolutely beautiful. And a lot of what she's doing is just that. Like, just that we're just having her be cute in the movie. A lot of this is just her in a hotel room being cute, at a computer being cute. A lot of the film is just that. In a swimsuit in Mexico being cute. (laughs) You see her belly button the rest of the... Once she gets back from Mexico, you don't not see her belly button. Well, see, they have a workaround for that from a screenplay standpoint because those aren't her clothes, Kyle. They mm-hmm. were given to oh, her is this, so they don't fit right. Oh, they fucking thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the thought went. <laughs> you can't tell me what your bad guys are doing, but by God, you become a genius when you want to get Sandra Bullock's belly button on screen. Yeah, when you want to make sure that midriff is exposed at all times. Wh- whilst hacking, one must one one must properly ventilate their entire... <laughs> we see her... I think we get to see her... Uh, we get an underwear shot, because I thought... I was like, do they have a whale tail in 95? <laughs> Uh, her running from the cops. I'm like, we weren't whale tailing at that point. So, but it's just a, a shot of her uh, running in her underwear popping out. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. I can't recall. Yeah. Um, but she's most certainly bikini clad at one point in this movie, though. Um, mm-hmm. And they they linger on it because, like you do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the way the way this woman hacks is the way Kenneth Branagh makes Frankenstein monsters in Frankenstein, uh, which involves Shittily. being. Being being greased greased up and shirtless. <laughs> yeah. Uh I love that movie. Like For a all Turkish oil wrestler. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I will counter that just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just to just okay. to try to to lend some legitimacy as to why she was cast, aside from she was cute as a button in nineteen ninety-five. Um there are certain like paranoid ramblings that she does in this movie that if you've ever paid it like put speed under a magnifying glass she has a talent for motor mouthing shit like that uh, think think uh chris tucker in the fifth element you know come on come 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 my man like she's really 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 good at that like that like stuttering like manic energy uh especially in this in this period of her career like she does have a knack for adopting that energy um, and she does that several times in this movie. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe somebody saw her in speed and was like, oh, she can she can play nervous and kind of like under the gun really well. And to her credit, she does. It's just the movie built around those aspects of her performance. Fucking dull as dishwater. <laughs> mm. but, um, looking at my notes, I took notes, Kyle. I don't know why. I don't know what possessed me to do that. Um but yeah, she goes to her place of work, and I'm goddamn. I don't even know if I got it. 
Uh, so what she's trying to do is she's trying to restore her identity first because mm -hmm. she's been assigned the identity of Ruth Marks. Her name is actually Angela Bennett. Uh, so somehow she is you. She like remote accesses her imposter's work computer in her place of work to gain access to the mainframe or database or whatever where all this information is stored. I am trying, folks. Uh, trust me, I am trying my ass off right now. Um, and she runs like an IP trace on a, uh, a an instant message, an IM that that person was sending um, to the CEO of a software company who is making a, it's called the Gatekeeper Program. And that's that's the crux of the plot is that they are hacking systems around the world so that they buy the gatekeeper software and so they can all profit at the end. Kind of makes me think of that man of the year movie with the faulty voting machine stuff. Did you ever see that pile? But both you and I know that there is no film in this camera. No, I I did not watch. I said Robin Williams with the wig. Yeah, with with the like powdered wig or whatever on the cover. It yeah, looks like no, the cover I... of a of a a Judd Apatow movie from the day. Um, it's basically him being John Stewart. Uh, like basically he's mm. the the host of the equivalent of the Daily Show. In fact, I think Louis Black is his associate in that movie. He's fun. That movie ain't. That movie is dark. Uh, it is a conspiracy yeah. thriller. Uh, it's mostly hey. Laura Linney um, being told she's crazy and and kind of legitimately going there a little bit. It's a weird I, fucking movie. I defend Robin Williams a lot, uh, but I know that there is a plethora of films where I'm wrong in defending him. <laughs> well, I I, I want to say he's consistently worthwhile. It's just whatever his agent was getting him in those later years, like RV and man of the year. And I'm sure there's many others just not, not top top shelf stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. She gets to the bottom of the conspiracy and she puts all the puzzle pieces together that we, the viewers are just like, what? <laughs> like, like, like Trevor had to watch the movie or take notes and then think really, really, really hard about it to, to figure out what the fuck I just saw. Uh, but the whole finale in the movie takes place at a convention center, a tech computer, like computer. Convention. Oh, God, I forgot about the tech convention. That's where I stopped. I'm just like, stop it. I'm I'm done with this. This is over. Yes. Yeah, and, okay. And the way that the way the movie is structured from that point on, like from from when she's uh hacking the work terminal to when they're at the convention center, what's really sad, Kyle, and I'm only just now realizing this. I think this was Erwin Winkler's attempt at, at, at like a De Palma-esque thriller or mm. a or a Hitchcockian thriller. Cause like I can see it in my head. It's like if 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 a competent person shot and edited this, I can I can like see Snake Eyes. I can I can kind of see like how you could build tension by because they do that thing where it's like oh she's got to get her computing done quick otherwise the other lady's gonna get back and she's gonna get founded and, and stuff and it's like oh she's got to duck into the crowd and we got to have like a crane shot showing that like. If if so, if like if she zigs when she should have zagged, one of the bad guys is gonna find her or something. 
it's kind of like the 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 train hopping sequence at the end of Carlito's Way or something, where it's like she's got to weave her way through the crowd and stuff to escape Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Um, but unfortunately, the movie has no energy in the way it's shot and edited. In fact, I think the most creative shot I remember in this whole movie is a stupid fucking thing where it's a an exterior of a a hotel, and it, it's like a a stairwell. And the exterior of it, it, it has windows on each floor of the stairway. And it's just a simple shot. It's a static shot. And it's just a dialogue sequence between Sandy Bullock and Dennis Miller walking down the stairs. And it has some class to it because we shot people in a staircase from outside. And you only see them moving through the windows. That's the most, that's the most energetic shot in this whole fucking movie. Okay. So how does it end? So she goes to the convention. Um, we have a thing where the when she's playing Wolfenstein at the beginning of the movie. I'm she... sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to just completely just like like swat away what you just said. I thought you said the ending in there and I just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a oh I've gone cross-eyed drop? <laughs> uh, hang on. It was so much worse than I thought. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, you should have led with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, rem- I actually saw that shot that you're talking about, and I had the same thought. I'm like, that's actually decent. Yeah. That's not too bad. I actually, I, I saw that. Yeah, credit where credit is due. You know, the DP yeah. actually showed up that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or he wasn't maybe he was invited to set that day yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah the way the movie ends as far as i can tell she goes to that convention center and she has a disc with her that contains the virus that she pulled from the wolfenstein game uh okay. at the very beginning of the movie and by the way she yeah. she mailed it to her friend who they killed via I don't know. Airplane. Oh, dude. Airplane shenanigans. I, I forgot. I forgot to tell you this. This guy is is flying his plane, and uh, because Steph has been watching some of these movies with me, I just hear her say on the over on the couch, she's like, "Uh oh, the night flyer's gonna get him." Ah, that's so cute. <laughs> like, good job. Yeah, deep cut. <laughs> that was a deep cut. No, she pays attention. That's cool. <laughs> Check out that episode, folks. We're kinder to that film. Oh, because it's actually good. And, you know, <laughs> like yes. credit where creds do it, man. Miguel Ferrer goes a very long way. Yes. Um, but yeah, she uses that virus. Basically, she. Uh, she like accesses the super duper, the super devil juice program that they've been using to like hack into systems and stuff. She accesses it on a computer at the convention and then. <laughs> She gets the move treatment from the oh, from yeah. the, the bad guy, and uh, mm-hmm. she puts the virus floppy disk into the computer, and uh, in hitting the escape key, it triggers he the virus. Sets it off. Yeah, and I guess it destroys their program, or it destroys the database housing that program. So somehow, magically, with one keystroke, she blew up their cyber terrorism program. And then she's—I don't even know how she escapes, honestly. Uh, but she white goes running. Rabbit object. White yeah. rabbit object. Whatever, whatever yeah. it was, it wiped out everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. 
somehow they end up in like the rafters of the convention hall, which looks kind of cool, but it's not shot in an interesting way. And then uh, she bludgeons our our British man, our British gentleman with a fire extinguisher, and he falls to his death, presumably. Is it comically long where she bludgeons him to death or is it just like she gets three good oomphs in there? Oh, it's comically brief uh, because (sighs) remember, this man is brandishing a handgun. And he walks up to her within within bludgeoning range, nice. <laughs> and then she she quick draws him with the fucking fire extinguisher twice. Hang on, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, he falls to his doom, and I guess uh, dies. And it's, it's so goddamn pathetic. Like there's no Good struggle. Riddance. Like there's no grappling. There's oh oh oh. I, I correct myself before I even say it. We we legitimately have in this movie, Kyle, the utterance of the phrase, you and I aren't so different. <laughs> oh, my God. I caught that, too. Because, you know, we're not so different, you and I. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. But, dude, like, it's way you, too late for that. <laughs> I was like, you no, I'm a whole lot fucking smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. OK, but th- but we can't have a we can't have a happy ending because her mom has Alzheimer's. Dennis Miller is dead, so she can't be like reunited with her mom because her mom's not going to know who she is. No, so that, how could this possibly that's, end? That's literally what they do. Um, so she, she has a good day. She apparently buys a new house or at least it looks like a new house. I mean, she's for her. She, it seems like she's making bank like she's a remote worker in the 90s for a tech company. She's probably doing just fine. Um, but, uh, she like gets a new house and then her, it looks like her mom moves in with her. Mm, She's guard, she's gardening at the house. Like, I I don't know if she's living with her, but she's with her mom that afternoon, I guess. And so I guess you're supposed to draw the conclusion that like, she actually, no, there's no conclusion to be drawn. Like we don't learn much from that at all. She better afford a nurse because late stage Alzheimer's can be no joke. Uh, I don't think she. I don't think she has the. Uh, I don't. I don't know if she has the. Just taken on as a responsibility. No, a, a borderline agoraphobic should probably not be caring for somebody with advanced Alzheimer's. You're gonna be running outside occasionally. <laughs> oh so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, mom looks pretty spry. She, she could probably move. Yeah. Love, love, uh, your <laughs> love your suit. Love your suit. Yeah, dude. Uh, this movie was terrible. This might be the. This might be one of the worst ones we've done. Um, because at least Freddy or uh, J- Jason goes to hell was bad, yeah. but it was like stupid bad again. But this was just like it was. It was so boring. It was just boring. Like there was just nothing to to take from it that was interesting yeah um i i do find it fascinating though that i did not expect this movie to be successful and profitable and kind of well remembered in some circles like this movie is not good like by any standard it's too grounded i think that's the problem for this for this type of movie yeah and my hope is to close out the month with virtuosity um which is not that uh, okay virtuosity is big loud and dumb um okay. which i think is what we need to wash the the nasty taste out of our mouths uh, because 
yeah, uh, this movie is so dry and dull and it it just doesn't work in any way. Like there's very there's almost nothing there. And I get it. it uh, paranoia thrillers, conspiracy thrillers uh, involving tech, especially are kind of a beloved subgenre. But um, to, to people who would choose to remember this one, <laughs> like, well, maybe reconsider it or give it another watch, um, because I at this point, I don't think it's at all deserving of it. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that movie with that girl from the bus. Uh, well, now you can say you've seen it. Now you actually know what Mr. Costanza is referring to when he mentions that movie. <laughs> yeah. A pile of shit that he probably fell asleep <laughs> during. <laughs> Seriously, he definitely fell asleep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no way it would have held his attention. I uh, barely held mine. Uh, most certainly didn't hold yours. But um, And I can't fault you for that uh, because this movie, uh, it just has no life to it. There's no energy. And that's really unfortunate. Um, and like you said, that that really does make for the worst movies uh, is, is the ones that you just have nothing to grab onto. Because like a bad yeah. movie can be really, really fun uh, if it mm-hmm. if it's bad in the right ways. Uh, but this one's just dull. Uh, but now we're done with it and we never have to think about it again. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> so that being said, I, I'm hoping uh, that we can do virtuosity next week. Uh, hopefully that'll be the case but uh, in the meantime if you'd like to catch up on any of our catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com i'm also uploading back episodes like the older stuff uh to youtube these days yeah Uh, i've i've got a nice backlog queued up uh, so i'm hoping to make that a habit um i'm i think i'm in like the 40s as far as episodes are concerned um we've only got like a couple hundred more to go for me to catch up (laughs) but you know we'll get there maybe who knows um but you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the instagram at catching up on cinema as well as the twitter at catching cinema uh so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine uh including bitcade so fucking google it google it That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. 